sure staff is ready when you are. Okay, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, September 22nd, 2022 Administrative Investment and Fiscal Management Board meeting. Uh, the meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you. Member Bach? Here. Member Combs? Is currently absent. Member Leone? Is also currently absent. Vice Chair Colville? Present. Chair Bader? Here. Thank you, we have a quorum. Okay, uh, looks like our first order of business today is approval of the consent calendar. We have four items from last time. Um, are there any uh, members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. We currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. Okay. I'll make a motion, Jason. Okay, first by John. Do we have a second for the Consent calendar. Second. <laughs> Trying to get everybody to participate. Okay, looks like we have a motion and a second. Thank you. Member Bach? Yes. Vice Chair Colville? Yes. Chair Bader? Yes. And members Combs and Leon are absent. Motion passes. Okay. Now we'll move on to the discussion calendar, uh, which is item five, the SCURS quarterly investment report for June of 2022. Hi, I'm trying to share my screen here. So let me see if I can get that. Well, it's not going to let me do that. Um, I'm going to just actually focus, turn my video on guys. Um, good morning or good afternoon. Um, I'm going to focus on our quarterly report. And I just really wanted to go over, if you have that in front of you, page six in the report. And I'm just going to really talk about the returns for the quarter. And I'm going to talk about some peer returns and then kind of come back to the state of the current markets with about one week to go in the fiscal quarter, the first quarter of fiscal year 2022. So on page that page six, you'll see that our fiscal year return was a negative 10.69%. And our quarterly return was in excess of that, meaning we lost all of the portfolio gains in the final quarter of the fiscal year. So when that quarter started, we were actually positive on the year and ended the year negative. So that just really speaks to how bad fourth quarter fiscal year 2021 really was. Um, and the negative returns did not discriminate. We had losses across all of our asset classes. And in that corner, <clears throat> excuse me, quarter, S&P alone was down over 16%. So it was a very ugly quarter. Um, when we met last time, we were sitting at positive and things had really just started to get very volatile. So we really didn't know what to expect for that final quarter. And it, it did end up being um, very <laughs> disastrous, for lack of a better word. Uh, Michael from Siegel, when he speaks at the next discussion item, he's going to go through how each of our classes did compared to our benchmarks. So I'll save that for him to go through. Um, I know we like to usually look at some of our local peers, some of the local pension funds, and kind of compare what they did and what their returns were for the year. Um, but it's interesting to compare, but they really invest heavily into some asset classes that we do not. 
So looking at their overall returns is really not an apples to apples comparison. So I will dive a little bit into some of the similar asset classes that we all invest in. So for the year, CalSTRS turned in a negative 1.3%. CalPERS turned in a negative 6.1%. But the big caveat with both of these is they invest 20 to 30% of their funds in real estate and private equity. And they marked those positions in the portfolio for the year as of March 31st. So they marked all their positions before the sell-off in the fourth quarter of the fiscal year. So those returns on paper may look great, but they really don't reflect what happened in the portfolios for the last three months of the year. Um, they, they do this every year, so you really don't see it until the following year it gets embedded into it. But their top line numbers look great as a result of that. The, to break it down for the asset classes, which is really where we can do an apples to apples comparison because they did mark these all the way through June 30th, our fixed income return was negative 12.33, CalSTRS was negative 10.3, and CalPERS was negative 14.5. So in that asset class, we outperform one and underperform the other. And they lump all of their equity, domestic and international, together. So overall, our equity return was negative 10.45, CalSTRS was negative 16.6, and CalPERS was negative 13.1. So we did outperform um, both of them in, in that asset class. And the final thing I wanted to mention, a really large issue that was in the news at the beginning of June is CalPERS announced that they sold a large portion of their private equity portfolio for a $600 million loss, which again is not going to be in their returns. They also opted to spread it across two fiscal years to probably to smooth that negative hit to the basis points. So we do not have any idea of what um, what the bottom line is going to be to their numbers as a result of that those losses that they took by selling that. So are there any questions on that portfolio or positions before I move on to um, Stacey, next I'm sorry, I missed, yeah. I missed the first part. You said um, for yep. the year, it said CalSTRS was minus 1.3 and CalPERS was 6.1. What were yes, we? Yes, negative 6.1. And what were we? A negative 10.69. 10.69, yes. thank you. Yep. Yep. And so when I say for the year, again, that's 60 to 70% of their portfolio because it excludes those two asset classes that they did not mark past March 30th. Thanks. Okay. Any other questions on that? Okay. And then I wanted to touch briefly on the operating account. Um, in August, we raised $6 million to send over to the operating account. Um, the first two months of the quarter, so new quarter for fiscal year 2022, I know that our reports are looking back, but I just wanted to kind of bring everyone up to speed. Um, the S&P was up 5.3% in July and August. So we were able to um, raise the money into this strength, send the funds over, and we weren't forced sellers in May and June when the markets were really ugly. So operating is now funded through the beginning of December. And with little to no funds flowing into this plan in the future, um, we really need to be active sellers constantly now raising funds to cover operating expenses. And as most of you know, because I think I say it every single quarter, I'm always going to look to raise early and pre-fund operating if, if the markets are favorable so that I'm a, never a forced seller into a market I don't want to be a seller in. So looking at the total annual raise for operating going forward, and this is of as of last year's Bartell reports, we will get the new one in about four weeks, was about $28 million dollars which is 10, over 10% 10 of the total portfolio, just on a dollar-for-dollar dollar basis. 
Um, dividends and income last year provided us around 10 million. So that's a lot of money to be raising every single year in and out. Um, and it's going to be a challenge going forward more so now that there's, uh, I guess, going to be in Jason, you would know no more city contribution to the plan, at least at this point, right. um, based least, on the funded, at least now, right? <laughs> at least now based on the funding status. Um, I will say that I do expect our funded status to probably go from the low 100s to the low 90s when those numbers come out. That would be my guess just based on portfolio value and future uh, needs, cash needs. Um, so just back of the envelope, I would say 90 to 92 if I had to just put a number on it. But again, we'll get the full numbers in about four weeks. Um, I did see what our accounting team sent to Bartel, and it looks like the number of current participants is less than was originally anticipated, which would mean we had more losses, unfortunately, but it would also mean that our annual needs, funding needs would probably be reduced. So it'll be interesting to get that Bartel report. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention is, as I as I said, July and August were pretty good. Um, September has not been great. Um, we've really, the volatility trade is back on with the Fed in there raising interest rates. The markets are not happy. Every time there's a new statement, it's an excuse to sell off. So as of yesterday, my unaudited numbers and SCRS is a negative 1% with about one week left to go in the corner. And international is the biggest loser in that. It's down about 5% this quarter. Um, we do have an under allocation to international. We went from seven and a half to 5% in that for the formal asset allocation effective July 1st. And we are actually sitting at about 4.2%. So we're under our 5% allocation, which obviously in an asset class that's performing the worst is where we wanna be. So we should have all those final numbers in about a week or so, but at this rate, negative 1% based on what's going on in the markets. And are there any other questions? So Stacy, is, is the yeah. growth fund outperforming the equity income or are we For the seeing value year? better? Or? Fiscal year, John? Yeah. Fiscal year to date. So fiscal year to date, um, last year, equity income was the best performer in the equity markets. This year, um, as of yesterday, the S&P is up 0.12% and equity income is down 0.8%. So everybody's really hanging around the flat line on the equity side. It's fixed income that's down a couple percent and then international down 5% that's dragging us to the overall negative one. But yeah, less than less than 100 basis points differential right now for almost the full quarter between large cap and equity income. No clear winner, as unlike last year, which Michael will go through on Siegel, and you'll really see how equity income was really what helped our returns last year. Stacy, you know, we got a good mm -hmm. position in municipal bonds. Would that impact our need for cash flow? I I'm sorry, David, could you repeat that? We, we got a good position in municipal bonds. Would they impact our need for cash. I mean, these are not liquid, necessarily liquid things, items. Right. You're trying, to, you're trying to raise cash, right? Are we basically doing it from the equity side? Correct. Yes, mostly. Um, so every year when we have a need of say 26 to 28 million, a portion of that's going to come from the interest on the bonds. A portion is going to come from the dividends on the equities and the remainder is strategic sales across the different asset classes, but where we don't sell bonds. Traditionally, we do not sell bonds. If there was an emergency, we could, but okay. you know, we but we're buying these bonds, and obviously on paper, their money, you know, that they're getting marked lower. 
but they're still triggering the income, which is the number one goal of the portfolio. So all the raises are coming from the um, the three different equity classes. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. And that's all I have, John, Jason. Right, Stacey, are you seeing any opportunities to add um, higher coupon bonds in the, in the bond market? Yes, I actually am. Um, I did add, <laughs> I actually added a treasury yesterday. And the reason I ended up adding a treasury was because the, the current bonds that are in the market, uh, interest rates have gone up so fast that any bond that's trading around par, which is what we kind of like to look at, was issued 10 years ago. There's nothing really in the last few years issued with good coupons. And I don't want to pick up bonds at 70 and 80 cents on the dollar because while the yield overall yield is important, it's really the income I'm after. So I actually just picked up a three-year a three-year um, treasury note yesterday for around 4% just to park some money there. But I would hope as time goes on that if we see new issuance, we just really haven't seen any new issuance, that we've got to have people in the market issuing in order to pick up these higher coupon bonds around par. Because if we see yields get more to the 5 to 6%, yep. we're definitely yep. going to rebalance to a more yep. fixed income. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I have a whole um, spreadsheet that I'm working on, and I, I did the rough numbers in April, and I've got them to update them in October when I get the new Bartel numbers, and it updates the cash flow needs. It's going to, it'll change things a little bit, so I will update that. I ran two mock portfolios based on 5% and 6% in fixed income back when the portfolio was worth 300, and actually looking at a, a 70-30 200 million in fixed income and 100 million equity and running it out 30 years and see and to see what happened. And I actually have um, an inquiry into UBS today about if the 20 year treasury is currently trading at, the, at around 4%, what's a realistic 20 year corporate muni bond going to pay me? Is it 5% now? Is it five and a half? Just to try to get an idea of what's what's reality out in those markets. So I am going to look at that when Bartel comes out. Perfect. Jason, I'll make a motion to accept Stacy's report. Uh, but, um, oh, wait till if there's any. Sorry, Hold, do we have any speakers with our hands raised on this item? Thank you. We currently have no hands raised. Thanks. I'll second. Okay, we have a first by Member Colville and a second by Member Bach. Vice Chair Colville. <laughs> <laughs> Member Sounds like you want to be chair. <laughs> <laughs> member, member Bach? Yes. Vice Chair Coville? Yes, ma'am. And Chair Bader? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Okay, the next item is item six, the Seagull Marco Advisors Quarterly Investment Performance Report for June of 2022. There's a presentation. Great. Thank you very much. Let me see if I can share my screen with you. Okay, can you see index returns on the screen now? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yes. So Michael Lyons with Siegel Marco Advisors, nice to see you again. Um, for some reason, I can't start my video. I'm not sure why. A um, Couple of updates for you. Um, in July, we made a acquisition. Uh, we acquired Milliman's San Francisco Investment Consulting Office. And so as a result of that today, I'm joined by a new colleague, uh, Jeff Nipp. 
Uh, he's also going to help me cover this report. He is based in the uh, in the East Bay area, so uh, nearby to you guys. Um, and Jeff, if you just want to give a, a quick uh, background on yourself, we'll jump into our report. Sure, I'm going to start my video. There I am. Uh, so nice to meet everybody. Uh, yeah, I've been part of Milliman's investment consulting practice in San Francisco for the last six years. Uh, our practice, which was basically five people and about 16 clients, uh, was acquired by Siegel Marco back in July. This was a very friendly transaction uh, amongst all parties. Uh, and it really gives us access to a lot more resources. And it gives Siegel Marco a, a geographic presence, uh, a lot more people in, in the West. And as, as Michael said, I'm, I'm in the Bay Area. Um, I've done investment consulting for uh, over 25 years now and, and worked for a couple of money managers uh, as well. And I work with a number of public fund clients, uh, both defined benefit and defined contribution. Uh, so nice to, nice to be here. And I think Michael's given me the privilege of talking about the ugly second quarter um, and year to date. Luckily, Stacy's already kind of laid the groundwork, but, but just a, a couple things on this page. Um, obviously, everything's been down in, in the liquid market, stocks and bonds, uh, remarkably large numbers. Uh, you know, year to date, call it 20% down in stocks, over 10% down in bonds. That's the worst six months ever, or, or maybe since the 18th century or something, but uh, it, it does the, the sharp upward move in interest rates, the concerns about inflation, uh, everything that's been going on has really, really hit the bond market hard. Now, the, the good side of that is, again, as Stacy was referring to, is yields are up, and, and we'll look at that some more in a minute, but it's, it's just kind of painful in the, in the meantime to, to see these kind of results. And you know, really, if, if you're just in the liquid asset classes, stocks and bonds, there really hasn't been anywhere to hide in the in the first couple quarters. Again, this quarter, July was great, but a, a lot of that's been given back. So things are pretty flat on the, in the stock market this quarter. Bonds bonds are still still down some more. Uh, so it's really been a really ugly year in, in the bond market. And along those lines, uh, I think if we skip ahead to page 14, so there's yield curves up in the upper right, and the, the one on the bottom is year-end, and then the gold one is, is into first quarter, the green one's into second quarter. After yesterday's move by the Fed to, to nobody's surprise, raise uh, rates another 75 basis points, I think that the two-year is now over 4% yield, so off the chart here, basically. Uh, and we've got an inverted curve. I, I believe the 10-year yield was about three and a half. Uh, so people often look at that as a harbinger of recession coming. We'll see. Uh, the Fed obviously would like to avoid that, but uh, they've made it clear they're they're fighting inflation and they're going to keep raising rates. I think they said their target, uh, which which after yesterday's move is three to three and a quarter percent for Fed funds. Their target by year end is 4.4, is I believe, and 4.6 next year. So they're, they're making it pretty clear that they're not done. They're, they're still going to be raising rates uh, for a while and pretty sharply uh, to get all the way up to 4.4 by year end. They're going to have to make a couple more big moves. Uh, this has also been a case of active bond managers having a tough time. 
we've we've seen you know treasuries have been the best place to be uh, the corporates uh, you know which have the higher yield but those have those have uh, taken it on the chin even more and, and largely because of the concerns about possible recession and the impact on corporate earnings and that sort of thing so uh, the, the the yields are higher but but the prices have been hit uh, pretty hard you, you can see that especially year to date uh, you know investment grade corporates down over 14%, uh, whereas government's down uh, a little over nine. So that's that's the backdrop. Uh, again, uh, you know, kind of nowhere to hide in the equity and bond markets. So with that in mind, I'm going to jump ahead uh, to page 27 of this report. We're going to talk about how the total plan had done. As Stacy had mentioned, uh, the total plan value at the end of June was approximately $257,000. Um, and as she mentioned before, uh, given this one quarter return here, you can see it was minus 11%. And so basically uh, this one quarter, you gave back all the gains that you had uh, established for the fiscal uh, for the fiscal year. Um, it was just unfortunate when we started the quarter at 297 million and we closed at 257 million. Um, and just when you take a look at that one quarter, how impactful it was, it was, uh, you know, the uh, the domestic equity composite you can see was down 14%. Um, and it, uh, you know, it, it did outpace its, uh, its benchmark by, by 3%. So that was on a relative basis, it did relatively well, but again, no place to hide. Um, uh, you can also see that we've got uh, down here on the international side, there was significant outperformance as well, but again, on a relative basis. Um, so the equities uh, held up in a down market. Um, and on the fixed income side, you can see, again, it was very, very difficult. Uh, the portfolio trail just in that one quarter, it was down 6.3%. So uh, on your fiscal year period that just ended, that will cover here uh, for the prior year, you can see the plan was down minus 10.7%. We, we rounded based on what Stacy had said there. Um, we did miss the actuarial uh, assumption here. You can see the actual assumption is 6%. So uh, combining all of that, it was minus 16.7. Uh, you did uh, outperform your custom index. So again, like I said, on a relative basis, this plan largely held up uh, as we take a look at that. But then the other thing that's really important to remember is to come over to longer term periods over these 10 years that we'll show you here. And you can see that it has outpaced its actuarial assumption by about 1%. Um, and it has also outpaced even more significantly its custom index. So there has been quite a bit of value added over, over longer time uh, periods. And you know, just to just to illustrate one thing before I turn this back over to uh, to Jeff here within the portfolio, you were asking how the plans kind of did between the prior fiscal year uh, versus this fiscal year, and so it's been basically a complete reversal in the equity markets. Uh, for your 2021 year-ending fiscal year, you see equities were up 40, almost 43 percent, versus a minus 10. And during that time period, you had the uh, the growth sleeve that was you know handily outpacing the equity income piece, and that completely reversed um, in the most recent quarter where that equity income, uh, you know, this was a little bit of a flight to safety given the, the dividend focus of this, the value focus of this, that's certainly held up much better than you saw on the growth side. So I wanna pause here, see if there are any questions uh, before we just highlight two other things within this portfolio. Great. 
So we're going to jump ahead. Uh, we just wanted to share with you some of the risk and return reports here. Jeff, if you want to cover this one. Yeah, so this um, is on, on the uh, equity portfolio, domestic equity portfolio. And the, the charts on the right just show the up market and down market capture. And so basically what this saying is that in up markets, you've, you've made almost as much as, as the market, you know, 97%. Uh, down markets, you've held up better. Uh, and and we, we see that reflected on the left, in less volatility uh, and you know, only getting 90 to 92% of, of the down markets. So, uh, you know, this, this picture on, on the left side or the three and five year pictures on the left side, you know, that's what you wanna see. You, you've got more return, less risk than, than the benchmarks. Uh, so it's, you know, something, something is going right here. And then finally, we'll close with just a quick look at the, uh, at the fixed income portfolio here on page 68. We wanted to share this with you, given how this portfolio is positioned, given where interest rates have moved. A um, couple of things to, to note here is that in your maturity distribution, you can see the bulk of this uh, is underweight on the shorter end of the curve. That's where we've seen the most violent movement uh, upwards in, in rates. And this portfolio has largely uh, been overweight in longer term uh, at the longer end of the uh, treasury yield curve. You can see in that seven to 10 year period, it has been uh, overweight. And so, you know, you just haven't seen uh, this big surge in, uh, in yields that we've seen on the, uh, on the short end. So, you know, when we started this year, uh, that one year uh, had a yield of 0.4%. And as of today, it's 4.1%. So that was a 3.7% upward movement. Remember with bonds, as prices go up, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Um, and what we saw in that seven to 10 year space was basically it was at 1.5, 1.6% to start the year. It's since plateaued at about 3.5, 3.6. So again, about a 2% uh, movement there. So th that's one of the things that uh, has held up within this portfolio is just that, that concentration a little further out on the yield curve. So that's gonna conclude our report unless there are any questions. Any questions from members? No, it's not pretty. So the only safe haven is cash. <laughs> pretty much, but you're going to be losing your purchasing power if you put it there. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it really, truly is a no-win situation. Are you seeing a lot of your, a lot of your other um, public plans holding more cash, or are they changing allocations, or are they just riding this out? I'll, I'll start. So as, as I said, there, there are several public plans that I work with. The short answer is no, they're not raising more cash. I think the one thing that they're looking at, depending on their uh, employee profile and, and their liability profile, is whether um, they, they need to take part of their fixed income portfolio and, and make sure it covers the benefit payments that they need over the next three to five years. So that I, I think Stacy was saying, you know, we we want to avoid having to sell at the bottom. Uh, so I think that's been an issue, and 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 they've been looking at this for a while. But it's it's kind of gotten really important to say, let's make sure we're throwing off enough cash, enough income from our bond portfolio 
to be able to meet those benefit payments so that we don't have to go out in the market and, and sell something when everything is down. What are your equity projections for this coming year? Um, well, I, I'll say we don't make one-year projections or, or short-term projections. We make long-term projections. So, you know, prior to this year, after we'd had really three consecutive double-digit equity market return years, uh, long-term projections, and by that I mean like 10 years, were had definitely come down. So, you know, depending on whose projections you looked at, somewhere in the plus or minus 6% range uh, versus, you know, the, the last 10 years, the, yeah, where you, where you may double that. Uh, uh, so given how sharply down markets are this year, the, the, those going forward projections are going to be higher. Uh, and we'll, we'll redo, Siegel Marco redoes their proje projections at the end of the year. So, you know, my guess is they'll, they'll be going up depending on what happens between now and then. The other part of that is the, the bond projections, which, you know, you basically think of the current yield as a, as a good idea of what you're going to get going forward. Those yields were, were so low that, uh, you know, it was really, really unattractive uh, on the bond side. Well, now with yields up three and a half, four percent and probably going higher, you know, those projections are much higher going forward. So, what what you what you've got is the equity and fixed income return assumptions are are compressed towards each other. Uh, prior to that, equities, while they still weren't all that high, were still much higher than bonds, just because bond yields were so low in the market. Well, now those those are going to be closer. Equities will will still be projected to, to outperform bonds over the next decade or so, but uh, you know not by the huge numbers that we've seen historically. And I think there's going to continue to be some headwinds here with uh, the Federal Reserve continuing to, to raise interest rates and, and other central banks following suit with raising interest rates, which, again, is going to have an impact on the economy and corporate earnings. So you would expect with that for, you know, potential stock stock returns to, to come down even further in the short term. Um, and then as bond, in, as bond rates are going up, your risk-free rate is also increasing. So... Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next handful of years. And the, the stock market is obviously always, always kind of forward looking. Uh, so, you know, at, at some point they say, okay, you know, most of the damage is done now, now things look really good, you know, but who knows when that point is, I, I think the, the one thing I, I would say I'm sure of is volatility. Uh, you know, we, we're seeing that just, just day to day or even intraday volatility is, quite large and that i think is going to continue for a while yeah before we used to talk about one to plus one to minus one percent daily moves and now we're talking uh stuff that we've seen the last couple of years where it's plus or minus four to five percent in a day or or higher and and yesterday the market was up i don't know half a percent or more before the fed announcement and the fed did exactly what everybody knew they were going to do and the market ends up down one and a half for whatever percent. So, uh, you know, you, you see this sharp drop in the middle of the day. So, All right, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. We currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. Hello, Emily. <laughs> uh, get a motion. Sorry, I didn't have the meeting link. Oh. oh. <laughs> motion to approve. I'll second. David. Okay, motion by member Bach, second by Vice Chair Coville. Now you're learning. <laughs> Thank you, member Bach. Yes. Member Combs. Yes. Vice Chair Coville. Yes. And Chair Bader. Yes. Thank you, motion passes. Okay, uh, the next item are member comments, ideas, questions. Anything any members like to bring up? Yeah, I just, just I want to bring up the fact that um, Manny's MIA. Um, well, I've been trying to deal with the clerk's office to find out what the situation is. We've got three three um, individuals seem interested in, in joining the APEN board. Um, Station and I looked over. There's a couple with actual investment experience, one with none. Um, we're, we're still tr getting to the determination whether Manny can do another um, term or not. Um, so stay tuned. So to fulfill our, you know, the, the five seats on the board, we're still trying to figure out what, what uh, path we want to take. So would we ride this out for 2022 at the final meeting and then go into effect for 23 or possibly the next meeting? Well, it's got to go through PP&E, right? It's got to, so we got to tell the clerk's office, uh, like I said, I'm waiting for Mindy to get back to me, Mindy or Do to get back to me on whether or not Manny can, can still preside. I don't know if they've tried to reach him and he's kind of been uh, incommunicado. So I'm going to reach out to him because I think he was a beneficial member of the, of the board to see if he's still interested. If not, then we'll pursue the other three individuals, I guess. Well, he'd have to reapply, so. That's all I have, Chair. Thanks, Vice Chair. <laughs> Anything else, any other members? No, okay. Uh, looks like that concludes today's agenda. We'll reconvene on the, let's see, looks like the 17th of November, and we'll look at the uh, new Bartel reports. Should have new information about that. Okay. All right. That concludes Thank the meeting. You. It's adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.